0: Listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio 107.7 and 105.3 from New Orleans. Hello everyone, and welcome to FECA. Our guest today, visiting from Concord, North Carolina, is author Sarah Archer. Sarah and I first met over FECA back in April of 2020, several months after her first novel, The Plus One, had debuted. I believe at that time it was published in both North America and the UK, but since then it has been published in Japan and Germany, received a starred review from Booklist, and is in development for television, which is right up Sarah's alley, because she is also a screenwriter. She's developed material for MTV Entertainment, Snapchat, and Comedy Central. She's placed in several contests, such as the Motion Picture Academy's Nicole Fellowship, and the Tracking Board's board's Lunch Pad. See, (laughs) it's too close to lunch, people. It was going to happen. (laughs) On top of which, I hope you're enjoying a lovely lunch. On top of which, she is a Blacklist Screenwriting Lab Fellow. Her poetry and short stories have been published in several literary magazines. And she takes all of this experience and knowledge and shares it with the rest of us through seminars and panels and classes throughout the United States, the whole world, really, because of the internet, we get to get a little more of Sarah. And she shares her love of reading by co-hosting the Charlotte Readers award-winning podcast. As a reader myself, I appreciate Sarah's adventurous writing. Refusing to be branded as this or that type of author allows her writing voice to be in the moment, dedicated to whatever piece of work is in front of her at that time, allowing her to discover more about herself, and
1: subsequently, through her words, allowing us to do the same. Welcome to Fika, Sarah. Thank you, Ricky. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be back. Oh,
0: it's always a pleasure. Um, I always have so much many questions to ask you because your writing is intriguing, it's not always what we expect. I read The Fortune Teller this morning, and I was like, wow, she went there,
1: okay, Sarah. <laughs> I appreciate that, I, I like for people to have a reaction. Even if it's not the best reaction, I'd rather, I guess, make people feel something with my writing than just feel like, okay, well, that, that happened. You know, so I'm trying to embrace that more and more in my writing of being willing to provoke a reaction, even if it's not always nice or positive.
0: Um, Well, yes, no, at least you impacted them in some way. And maybe it's not nice because they're not completely comfortable with the feeling that you gave them. And sometimes that's a bad thing or sometimes it's a good thing. Right. That, you know, right. Right. We learn yeah. something about ourselves through that kind of writing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, it, a lot of that is a personal taste thing too, but I love uh, books or movies or stories that make me feel something complicated. Like even if it's not always um, pleasant or happy. And I, I think that maybe that's a personality thing. <laughs> Some people like they want to, read something that's a nice escape. But for me, I don't know, there's something that like excites my brain about reading something that takes me to a dark place. Um, And so I'm trying to be willing to go there more in my writing too. Well,
0: it's just making, that's why I have the Aurora Borealis behind us because it has, it's like taking all of those connections and making them work until you zoom into this like glorious thought. Right? This this, yeah, I mean, yeah. ending, this is whatever. But you need the darkness first so that it will show up. And I I think that's what people don't understand about dark writing. You can have a fa- <laughs> I mean you have a fabulous sense of humor. You've written for Comedy Central. And the plus one, like I I was rereading that and I was gonna write down that quote. Um, there's one where I'll just say a little bit about the book so people sure. It's a rom-com, so if anybody doesn't know, uh, where she's getting out of the table. She has a blind date there. Mm -hmm. And she's getting up from the table. And he grabs her behind. And she's torn between how dare he grab my behind? What kind of person would do that? And is my behind worth grabbing? Like, think what he grabbed. And and that's so bizarre, but yet... That's probably what anybody, we're just so trained to meet <laughs> expectations.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Complex thinking all the time. And I was thinking,
1: oh, Sarah, you nailed that. Oh, like, thank you. So it's on. It's funny to hear you mention that because I, I wrote that book initially, I think in 2015, and then it was published a few years later. So it feels so distance in some ways to me now, um, that I, I haven't actually thought about that scene in ages. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> it took me a second to be like, wait, who is that blind date? What happened?
0: <laughs> right, right, because you've moved on to other ideas and you don't remember. I'm, sometimes I think people think authors remember everything they've written forever and ever. And it's mm-hmm. just, you put it away like everybody else does.
1: Yeah, and I think if I if I go back and revisit something that I wrote years ago, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I should change this. I should do that. I wish I had done this differently. But then every now and then there'll be a line I'm like, wow, like how did I come up with that? It doesn't feel like I wrote it, but I'm thinking, oh, who's this amazing. person?
0: <laughs> no, you should. I'm saying go back because I went back to read the book before we discussed this. I like to do that and sort of refresh. Who is this mm-hmm. Sarah person? And honestly. I was laughing again, because now I'm old, so the memory is not so great. <laughs> so I probably lost more of it than you would have just due to age and, and um, the fact that you wrote it, but there are, it's just, it's so real. Uh, that's what I call like the earthiness in your writing, like even though, and it didn't even end the way people would think most you know, um, of that type of book would end, but there's such an earthy real like I didn't get married till a day before my 30th birthday, so I would beat the mm-hmm. statistics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only saying that so that people, yes, that's what people end up doing to you if you don't jump
1: on, you know. Yeah, there's all that pressure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and for Kelly, the main character, she's. I think she's 29 in the book. And she, if I remember correctly, she turns 30 over the course of the book. So she's feeling a lot of that pressure, especially from her mother who runs a bridal shop and works in that industry. And she's like, you're, you're an old person now that you're 29 and not married. So she feels that pressure from a lot of quarters. And I think that um, hopefully that's kind of fading over time. People are a lot more free now to, to, to live their own lives according to their own schedule, but it's still out there, even if people aren't explicitly saying, and I think just the pressure of seeing people who are your peers and what they're doing in their lives, there's sort of an implicit feeling that you should be doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. I, I, I believe that the pressure has, is not what it once was in that area. Yeah. Um, (laughs) maybe It's it's just the circles I'm hanging out with. I don't know, but but it was definitely spot on, I'm telling you. For someone who was 29 and not mm-hmm. married yet, it was definitely spot on for some of the things that you dealt with. And yeah. such, and that's what I call earth. Like, it's real, okay? This is a rom-com, but it's real. It's not, you know, the millionaire steps in. So, so that was really, really enjoyable. Now, you have received success with this novel. And so how do you feel it has taken you, both writing in the world and the writer you want to be within. Like, why haven't we seen another one, Mm
1: -hmm. Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, I feel like I have a very complicated relationship with that book, with my first novel. Um, In some ways, I feel very lucky that, I mean, it was the first time I ever even attempted to write a book and I, got an agent with it. I got traditionally published with it. It got an option for TV. Um, I feel very lucky with all of that. And I learned a lot from it and it was a great experience and it's been wonderful to connect with people like you who read the book and got something out of it. Um, but I also feel like I went into that process knowing absolutely nothing about publishing. And in hindsight, I, there's some things that I've learned that I kind of wish I had done differently. Um, Like, for instance, in publishing, and I know we've talked a little bit about, like, the idea of being branded or pigeonholed into a certain area, there's a lot of pressure for an author to have a certain brand and to write one kind of book pretty consistently, because that way readers know what they're going to get, and so they come back. And so for publishers, it's a lot easier to make a profit off of your work that way. Um, And for me, my background primarily before I wrote that book was in screenwriting, where there's still a little bit of that pressure, but there's not as much because people don't know who screenwriters are. Like nobody goes to a movie knowing, oh, this person wrote it and that's why I wanna see it. So they don't really care. So you have a little bit more flexibility as a screenwriter to write different things in different genres. And I think if I had known how much pressure there was in the publishing world to kind of stick to a lane, I would have thought a lot more consciously going into it about what lane do I want to be in? Um, Because it was published as contemporary romance, which is not something that I necessarily want to do for the rest of my career. I mean, I I like rom-coms. I like reading them. I like watching them. But it's not what I want to build a whole career out of. So I'm now at a point where I've been kind of trying to figure out, well, where do I want to go and how do I make that transition? And I wrote um, actually drafts of two other novels after the Plus One that were both kind of trying to fit into that contemporary romance genre. But it's just, I don't know, one of them I, I might try to do something with eventually, but I don't feel as much passion for that as for other things that I'm writing Um, so that's kind of on the back burner, but I've been, I've been doing more screenwriting since then. I've been getting into writing short stories and poems here and there. So I've I've been writing, um, but I just, I feel like I, I need to find my focus (laughs) and that's always a struggle for me because my interests are so all over the place that it's hard to say, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to stick with that. Well, even in
0: the plus one, it isn't as I mentioned, it isn't your typical romantic comedy. Yeah, that's like, true. It could also go under science fiction, mm-hmm. fantasy, that kind of thing as well. So I can I can see that you have interest in many other different forms. And it's unfortunate like that it's like that already with one book that you can't say, I have this masterpiece or just a fun bit of fluff that I've written and I want to try that mm-hmm. as well. So, so, we won't be seeing any more rom coms from you in the near future. Well, but probably yeah. not in the near future. Maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, you have to write them when you're young
1: before you're cynical.
0: Right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> before um, you know too much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. So, so you're still figuring it out. There isn't like you said before. You like come up so, because like I'm looking at your short stories that I have read, mm-hmm. and there's definitely a kind of track with them. I think um, all twisty and and mm-hmm. and your poetry. And I'm trying to think of the poem. The name of the poem where someone comes to visit and she's like that's in Weird
1: Women, and she's like the spiders will bite you. You know, sit down oh well. yeah. I think I if that's the one, I think it was um good housekeeping or something like that. I think yeah. I actually wrote yeah. that in a writer's group based on a prompt. So that was one that I wrote in like 15 minutes, but I just had a lot of fun with it.
0: And it just it just made me think of what because I'm typically like an introvert and a quiet person and you're coming to my house and I know you're one of those people that's going to criticize it. So it mm-hmm. just reminds me of me skin. I want to say that. I want to say the things that, so, so do you, do you think you might lean towards a more um, I don't
1: want to say Gothic or horror, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm kind of finding myself naturally leaning more into things that are a little bit, darker, a little bit more literary, like with the short stories I've been writing, um, some of them are kind of straightforward literary fiction. Some of them, I guess, would fit more under sort of magical realism or speculative fiction. Like they'll have some kind of fantastical element, but I'm not really writing um, like Harry Potter kind of fantasy. No, 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 I'm I'm a, actually, I love magical realism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. I like to have
0: some real in my book and then, you know, just have that little helpful element along that gives that surprise so yes i can see i can see the magical magical realism
1: yeah I, I love things that kind of cross between genres in some way and even the plus one was like that like you were saying it's it's sci-fi but it's also a rom-com um especially my initial drafts of it had a little bit more of like a satirical bent so i like things that live somewhere between genres i like things that have both dark parts and some humor in them um, and that are kind of in between worlds in some way. Like it, feels like our real world, but it's a little bit tilted, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, I, I don't know. I that, Stuff like that always intrigues me. So maybe, maybe that's the direction that I find myself going in. Um, with my the mysterious.
0: In yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like what that. is that thing lurking over there that, is it helpful? Is it dangerous? It right. Is, like right. in the fortune teller, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is that gentleman doing over there. Nothing good. (laughs) (laughs) So you said your screenwriting was keeping you busy. Mm -hmm. And it says, it said in your bio, and I said at the beginning of the show, that you have the plus one in development for television. Uh, How is that working out? And what what other, other work do you have out there as far as that part of your career goes?
1: So um, with the Plus One, it was optioned by a production company for TV, um, which I was actually really excited that they optioned it for a TV rather than a film, because I think that, you know, it's, it's a book, so it's a closed-ended story, so it would almost be the more obvious thing to say, okay, we're going to make a movie or a TV movie out of this, and you could translate the story more directly that way. But to do it as a TV series, you would have to change it up a lot. Um, and so I think that creatively, that's exciting, because it gives you a lot more space to evolve the characters and maybe go in different directions with the story. Um, so so I'm I'm a fan of that idea. I like that. In, ter- in terms of what's actually happening with it, I honestly don't know at this point. Um, they optioned it. I had a call initially with a production company to talk sort of big picture ideas. And then since then, they kind of take it and run with it and do their thing. And I think a lot of authors, they think that like, oh, if somebody options my work, that means it's, it's going to be a movie. It's going to be a TV show. Um, Unfortunately, that's not really the reality. A lot of times it's most of the time things that get optioned don't actually get made. Um, so I'm not holding my breath, frankly, for it to <laughs> actually go on air at any point, um, but they've, they've got the rights to it. And so they can develop it and do with it what they want. I think for me, since I um, used to work in TV and film, I came into it already with that perspective, knowing that like, oh, an option is nice. And it means there's potential for something to happen and you get a little bit of extra money, which is great. But I wasn't thinking, okay, now it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm not like waiting to hear, okay, this is when it's going to be on the air. (laughs) I know that realistically it's probably not going to happen.
0: Now, are you able to put it away (laughs) or does it sometimes follow up and you're like, I just want to know what's happening with
1: my, yeah, I mean, I, I I could follow up with them just to see. Um, I think that I, by nature, I'm kind of like an intentional pessimist. Like, I like to not expect things, <laughs> which maybe that's... Uh, Maybe that's a bad attitude but i think it's it's good when you can keep your expectations low and then if things don't happen then you're not disappointed and if they do that's a nice surprise so i kind of when something like that happens i just put it out of my mind so i honestly don't even really think that much about the fact that it was optioned or what might be going on with it um and i think also the part of that is just because i've i've been like in a different creative headspace with other projects. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I should at some point just reach out and say, Hey, no, no,
0: I didn't want to encourage that. No.
1: <laughs> I'll oh, tell them you, that you're, you're asking. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Now I've got you. No, no. Be,
1: be calm. Sarah. Be zen about it. Yeah. Okay. That's before we discuss
0: more about your screenwriting, Brian has a question. Does working in one medium influence how you write in another? Me- in another medium? Like, do you see more visually when you write a novel?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, thanks, Brian, for sharing that. Um, I think for sure it does. Like for me, since I had done um, more screenwriting before I ever wrote my first novel, screenwriting is very—it's uh, very story-focused and it's very much built around a certain structure and around the scenes. And so, I—I I thought in scenes when I was writing that novel. So, I, I plotted the whole thing out in terms of these are the scenes and these are the story points. And I think that my fiction, I tend to write a little bit like a screenwriter because I'm seeing everything play out in my mind visually. And I'm, I'm seeing everything through the, the plot points of the story, whereas a lot of writers will put more of the story into the narration and kind of telling it directly to the reader. Um, but I, I also find it going a little bit in reverse. Like now that I've been writing more books and short stories, I think that some of that is bleeding back into my screenwriting and helping me to hopefully try to push the boundaries a little bit with story structure and characterization. Cause there's a little, you can be a bit more uh, sort of free flowing with that sort of thing when you're writing fiction, I think. So yeah, for sure. I, I think it kind of impacts you both ways. Um, and it's funny cause I, I have writer friends who do screenwriting and I have writer friends who do fiction writing and they'll read my work and give me notes. And they always give very different notes depending on what their background <laughs> is. Like the fiction writers are always saying, tell me more about this and describe this more and you should expand on that. And the screenwriters are always like, cut this, we don't need that, get to the point. <laughs> so it's it's different mentalities for sure. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I genuinely enjoy working in different media and different genres and stuff. But I think for any writer, even if you've mostly done one type of writing. There's a lot to be gained by studying other media as well. Um, and you can always learn things that will expand your abilities in another area. So yeah, I, I think no matter what you're writing, you know, try writing a poem, try writing a screenplay, um, try writing an essay if you normally write fiction. I think that you can always sort of expand your your knowledge and work new writer muscles in your brain that way.
0: Well, I, actually, just this morning when I sat down and watched The Fortune Teller. I was thinking, watch The Fortune Teller, read The Fortune Teller. See what I'm saying here? I I don't know how many times I have said, and it never clicked on to me before, Sarah is such a descriptive writer. Like, your scenes in that are, you know, the purple light or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. describing that purple light. So yeah, I can can see how that, and I think it's helpful because it takes you right there because you were obviously in that scene you have the ability. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that's just the way that I think about everything too. I'm just a very visual person by nature. Like I I learn a lot more easily if I can read something on the page or see a diagram. Audiobooks are kind of a struggle for me and I've been trying to get into them because it's a great way to read more. Um, And you can you know, listen while you're cleaning or doing whatever around the house. Um, But I, I know that I don't absorb the story as well if I'm listening to it as opposed to if I'm reading it on the page. So yeah, I guess that probably extends into my writing too, where I just, I imagine things very visually. And so I think I'm a, a more visual writer.
0: Yeah, and it works. I, I, I quite you. enjoy it. <laughs> Thank oh, you. I'm glad. <laughs> i It works. I mean, not that I'm the entire world and critic, but okay. From now on, I'm going to say, for me personally.
1: <laughs> well, you know, they they say like, who are you writing for when you're writing something? And a lot a lot of our authors will say, oh, my audience is me. Like I'm writing for myself, but I'm going to write for Vicky now. I'm going to imagine oh. you as my, my first <laughs> <Thank> reader. <you. laughs> well, then <I> mean, <laughs> you Vicky want to write <laughs> faster. <laughs> <you,
0: no. laughs> Vicky has something she's supposed to be working on, and I promised myself I would not push authors anymore because. The, there's a whole world out there and you've mm-hmm. got stuff to do
1: and you just stuck
0: and it's you know it's not as easy as just sitting there yeah. and
1: typing away.
0: And sometimes the muse
1: comes and sometimes it doesn't.
0: <laughs> and, and well that's another thing you said okay I'm not putting as much time in my writing as I should. Mm-hmm. Now is that because you are so busy with okay, I guess is it because you're so both busy with um, the screenwriting or in the short stories and the podcasting and the blog yeah and all the rest? Or is it because it, it, there's an avoidance I think it's,
1: there for some reason? Well, I think the time issue is more about just being busy because I do have a lot of different projects that I'm jumping between. And I have this book podcast I co-host, which um, is a big time commitment with that. And also just trying to do all the sort of like, carry writing activities that go along with being an author, like being involved in writers groups and networking and going out to bookstore events and stuff like that, maintaining a blog, maintaining social media. Like it's, you could spend your full time as a writer, just doing the stuff about career development and never actually write. (laughs) So I think that's something that I, I'm really trying to, to push myself to be better about is making sure that I'm making time and space for the writing itself Um, because there's so much other stuff that goes into it that can take up the time. But I think, I mean, I have been writing, but I do think that maybe there's part of me that's avoiding writing another novel right now, just because I don't know exactly. I have ideas for sure. and I have ideas I've been making notes about, but it feels like such a big... I think because of my experience with the plus one, now I'm much more conscious of, okay, whatever I go out with next, I'm committing myself to like, this is what I want to do for the foreseeable future. And so I'm a little bit afraid to publish something and then feel like I want to change again. <laughs> so it's kind of easier to... You can you can publish and keep... I know, I know. There are <laughs> authors who have done that and people publish things that are very different, but it's, it's easier if you can kind of have a groove at it least is, for a it while. It is commercially, <laughs> yeah, easier, and it is easier
0: with publishers. Um, when you were talking about, there's so much to do, and even with publishing, because they expect the author now to do, you know, what's your social media like? Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I have heard, like in the days of Dickens or whatever, he just went out and wrote and came back, and they put it in the paper, and life went on. Or yeah you know, we're still with the Christmas, but, you know, I've heard a lot of concern from a lot of authors and also authors tend to be more introverted and quiet and thinking people. So social media in all its gloriousness can be a little bit of a, of a most trap. Um, it, it is difficult to do all of that as well as write and balance your time. It's, yeah. If you find the secret to that, Sarah,
1: then come back and share it because there's a whole lot of other writers looking for it. If I find the secret to it, I will make a million dollars because I'll publish a book <laughs> every writer out there will want to know the secret. <laughs> it's nonfiction. The exactly secret right. for writers. <laughs> we all want to know. I mean, it is it's tough. Like I I hear about writers, you know, back decades ago or I'm like well why don't we have patrons anymore that sounds pretty nice <laughs> but yeah it's it's hard to balance all of it because there is so much pressure and there are so many um, ways to get your work out there as a writer now there's so many opportunities to publish whether you're doing self-publishing or traditional or hybrid or whatever it might be and so many ways to promote yourself which is wonderful because it opens things up to more people but it also makes you feel like you should be doing all of that (laughs) and because okay well these blogs exist like I should be reaching out to them and getting featured on their site and I should go on these podcasts and I should be on these social media platforms like I'm on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and I'm not terribly active on all of those but I try to at least maintain somewhat of an active presence on all of them but now TikTok is so big for writers and everyone keeps talking about, oh, BookTok is so huge and it's launching people's careers and everyone should be on TikTok. And I I can't like I need time to actually write. I can't do another social media platform. <laughs> I get like anxious about it. I feel so much like you know, I, I need to be doing all these things. But, you know, you have to know your limits. You can't do all of it.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a whole new way of living and writing. There's like Mm -hmm. so much more that it is the balance. And no one, if you, yeah, I can see it. Sarah Archer's secret of (laughs) social media and writing. You'll have seminars where there's
1: thousands of writers out there. Maybe the secret <laughs> is just chill a little bit. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah,
0: the guru, star. Yeah, I, I think that probably could help. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving along because we have lots to do. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think you kind of explained why the short story has become a passion for you because you can try out all different kind of genres and ideas yeah, within yeah. the moment. I also For the reader, and I'll throw that out at you, You know, there's that thing, if you make a bed in the morning before you go, they Mm -hmm. tell us, another guru, uh, then then you will feel like you've completed at least one thing in the day, and this will lift your spirits. And I think if you read a short story or a poem every morning, you can have the same feeling of accomplishment. Um, And so we need more short stories. So are Mm -hmm. these gonna come out in a book
1: or what, Sarah? That's a good question. Yeah, I. um, It's funny you mentioned that about like reading something in the morning. I think it was Ray Bradbury, I believe, who said that everyone every morning should read a short story, an essay, and a poem which I don't know if a lot of us have time to read all three of those every morning, No,
0: No. I do think See, I thought I came up with that, but I was was channeling Ray Bradbury because I I read the scene of writing it. Yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was um okay. So I didn't mean to plagiarize people.
1: (laughs) I mean, if you're gonna, plagiarize someone, he's probably a pretty good person to pull from, right?
0: (laughs) Um, You have to come on for another show so we can talk about Ray Bradbury because he's not
1: here. mm -hmm. Neither of
0: us can interview him, but he,
1: I love him. Yeah, I actually, I went to Comic-Con years ago um, and he was there, so I got to see him live. It was, I mean, he was very old at that point. It was like towards the end of his life Um, and he didn't really do much speaking, at that point, but I mean, it was, it was amazing just he to was be able there. To be in a room with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. breathe the same air. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm jealous. So, okay. Back to us. Um, Back to short you. stories. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I started about maybe a year or so ago, um, writing some short stories and I, I really had no plans or intention behind it at all. Um, I was just kind of writing them on my own as sort of creative exercises and not thinking about even publishing them in literary magazines or doing a collection or anything like that. Um, and more in the last few months I've started to send some of them out to literary magazines. And I've had, there's one that was published so far in the Barcelona review. And then there's one that also got picked up that's going to come out, I think next month in something called, um, I think it's shooter literary magazine. Um, and I've got a few others that are out right now that I to hear back about So I'm now starting to kind of send them out into the world, but I really didn't have any sort of plan behind it. And I think that's part of what's been nice about writing the short stories is that there's so much less um, restriction creatively and less pressure when I I feel like I can just sit down and write and not have an audience in mind, not have a publication goal in mind. Um, And plus a short story, It takes work and it takes time, but it's a lot less time than a novel. So if I try writing something and I feel like, oh, this didn't really work, and I don't do anything with it, then I don't feel that bad about it. Um, So it's been very creatively freeing and allowing me to get experimental since I have no goals or expectations for them. But yeah, I have kind of started to think in the back of my mind, like, well, maybe now that I'm writing more of them, maybe I will try to assemble a collection at some point. Um, I don't really know that much about the publishing Process for short story anthologies. All I really know is that it's harder to get them traditionally published than a novel because there's a so, smaller yeah, audience you can for that. go
0: independent. Like, yeah, I know people yeah. People that have publishers for certain things and are independent, mm-hmm. or you know, their little loves just to. Yeah, to that's a good um, point. Put it out, but yeah, you know, what? and then that goes back. Thank you, Mister Bradbury, to mm-hmm. as an author writing a short story and finishing it gives you also that high of accomplishing something. That's true. That as somebody who's writing a novel or a series, like just lives without day to day forever and ever.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and I think even with poetry, even more so, because you can sit down and write at least a draft of a poem within an hour. Um, and you know, I, I don't just like poetry because it's short, but <laughs> I also enjoy the creative form. But it, it is very rewarding to be like, oh, I, I wrote a thing today, you know? Because when you sit down, you're working on a novel or a script or something, you make progress at it incrementally, but you don't often get that feeling of I created something and it's a thing that exists and has a beginning and a middle and an end. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to be able to write something like a poem where you can finish your day thinking, oh, I, I wrote something today. Um, Yeah, and with short stories, too, you have that feeling of it's I've created something that exists and that lives in and of itself. And you can get that feeling more frequently, which I think is motivating. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. Okay, so we solved that problem. It's just back to
0: balancing Mm -hmm. uh, writing with (laughs) social networking. (laughs) So speaking of poetry, you promised to read. A poem today that I haven't read or heard something a little newer. Do you have something? Sure.
1: Um, yeah, I can, I can share, um, the most recent poem I wrote. I haven't been writing that much poetry over the last year or so just because of, you know, all these the other endeavors. Um, but there is a, uh, there's a, a group locally, um, called the Charlotte art league that's putting on an exhibit next month. That's an acrostic exhibit. So it's, um, art and poetry combined. So they took a group of poets and a group of artists and they assigned each of the poets a work of art by one of the artists involved. Um, so I got a, a piece of art assigned to me. So this poem might not make total sense if you're just hearing it without seeing the, the work that inspired it. Um, but I can read you the poem that I wrote for that, which I think is gonna be shared at their um, their event next month. So let me pull that up. So the-
0: um, post it <laughs>
1: later on social media
0: with, with the picture on at a later date. Or? Yeah, I'll
1: have to um, I'll have to make Talk sure to that I can do that. I think that that probably after the exhibition yes. they will yes. be fine yes. with that. So hopefully I can post them both together. Um, but basically the the work of art is it's sort of a mixed media piece and it's referencing um, Roe v Wade and the recent laws around abortion and, and that kind of conversation. So I was trying to, to focus on those themes and sort of the complicated nature of um, how we literally and, and metaphorically carry each other in life and, and issues around that. Um, so I'll, I can share that poem, let's see. Uh, this is called What We Pass Down. Let me tell you a story about Tide. When I was a child, they said your blood is blue until it touches the air outside your body. I didn't know my insides until I lost you, alone, at last, on a 12-hour drive, not sure if what was leaving me had ever been a life. Water advances and retreats, but you cannot move the ocean. Life is biological warfare. Love is seeding the territory of the body. If you were a son, I'd teach you to imagine all the worlds within a seed. If you were a daughter, I'd say I can't tell you what to believe. Matter is neither created nor destroyed, a flood is a promise displaced. Justice is miscarried, all meaning is long removed. It's never ourselves were born to carry. Your whole life you lurked in stolen blood. You shone like a cathedral window, red as a saint's hood. There's no end to the truth, I could tell, but story hour has its time and place. Dear, don't go, you still have time to hear one more. Our choice is strength to bear each other's vigils. We die red, but oh, we make such angels. That's it.
0: Well, that's not. That's it. That is <laughs> that's extraordinarily emotional, and once yeah. again, so different from anything. That that was. Well, that was Sarah. Once again, I don't have Thank the you. word for it. Very moving. Very, very real to you know that situation
1: yeah yeah and that's something i've been trying to push myself over time i think to to do with my writing is to get more personal and more real um like the things that i i used to write years ago would be a lot more sort of wacky broad comedy or even something like the plus one that's like a very elevated concept that has a sci-fi element to it um and obviously some of what i've been writing now something like the fortune teller which you read is not based on, like, my life or <laughs> real people. <laughs> or anyone's, really, I should hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've been trying to, even if I'm not writing about, you know, literally myself or people I know or anything like that, but at least to get, like, more real and dark with the themes and the emotions. Because I think that even if you're writing fantasy, sci-fi, magical realism, something that's removed from reality in some way, if you can make... The people and the characters and the emotional experiences feel authentic. That's what makes really impactful writing. You know, is, is exactly. when you read something and you recognize that. Exactly. So I, I've, I've been trying people, to push for that.
0: When people say, "Why do you talk about these characters like they're real?" Because if mm-hmm. you don't believe them, they're, they're real. The readers aren't going. Yeah, exactly. To and and <laughs> your characters <laughs> are real. Like I said, I think you've
1: developed much further than you think you have. Well thank in your you in that, Yeah that, that means a lot and that helps to motivate me to keep pushing forward. So thank you.
0: Yeah yeah.
1: Put out more <laughs> for
0: me to read <laughs>
1: I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm
0: list, list at the moment. I forgot. <laughs> it started this again. It's, um, it's, it's wonderful to be, have an avalanche of books on you but
1: but then you need time to actually read them right <laughs>
0: right right and 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 to get them done um, to get them done. I don't mean
1: right. <laughs> check them off the list <laughs>
0: understand them yes, yes right right So yeah I don't I don't know what to say about that poem right now it was it was definitely it came from you know a deep deep place yeah mm-hmm. so. Now we, the other two things that I talked about was the classes and the seminars and things like that. And you mm-hmm. just did a seminar on writing for writers without borders, right? Yeah. Is that on your
1: Facebook page? Right. Yeah, there's a group um, that's hosted through the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library System here locally. It's called Writers Beyond Borders and it started during the pandemic and it's on Zoom. Um, they meet once a month, and it's typically about half people from the U.S. and half people from other countries, like India and Singapore, who will log in. And they'll have a different guest speaker each month talking about some kind of writing topic. Um, so I went on it and did a little presentation for them about screenwriting. Um, in particular, because a lot of people who attend that group, they write fiction or memoir, or, um, essays, things like that, but they don't, they've do not they never tried screenwriting before. So kind of coming at it from the perspective of you've never tried screenwriting but you might want to try it maybe you do other forms of writing and what are some skills you could take from screenwriting that could help you develop your other writing as well um so i I did a a presentation for them which was a lot of fun and they asked great questions and so that's up on the library's youtube channel i believe if anyone is interested in seeing that Um, and i've also been teaching a, a screenwriting course for a group called charlotte lit which is a local literary organization um and that's similar in that it's mostly people who have done other types of writing who are interested in trying screenwriting, but this one goes a bit more in-depth because we have more time together. So I've been putting together presentations for that and homework and all that sort of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it's the, the teaching is something where I, I never really actively sought to do it, but sometimes I get opportunities that are presented to me to, to speak somewhere or teach, and I always really enjoy it, and it's a great way to uh, meet other writers. And I feel like too, when I'm putting principles of writing into words and making myself come up with these presentations, I'm like, oh, I should I should do that too. <laughs> I start realizing what I should, you know, put into practice in my own writing. Sometimes.
0: Well, no, exactly. That's what I was, I was thinking. As as you teach it, as mm-hmm. you develop your classes for this,
1: you're thinking, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good <thing laughs> refresher sometimes. Well, and they say that Teaching is one of the best ways to learn, right? Like in school, sometimes if you have to do a presentation or they'll have students like explain something to each other, you retain the information so much better that way. So it helps me to process it and, and learn as well.
0: Yeah, no, and, 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 and in it, and it, so the, the fact so the so there's two ways of looking at that there is the learning to be a screenwriter, and there is also taking some of the qualities of a screenwriter and and applying it to your writing to make you more descriptive and see it more right.
1: better, perhaps. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was saying earlier about like how different um, working in different media is all sort of symbiotic and it helps you become a better writer overall. And so I think in some ways, you know, I, I complain about like, Oh, I don't know what my lane is and I write too many different things and I can't decide, but in some ways I'm grateful that I have different interests as a writer. Cause I do think that it helps you, Um, learn a lot and you can develop skills that translate over to different things that you're doing. And eventually
0: it will all, I think it already has, but you know, who listens to me? I, (laughs) it will all just come together and go, but there it is. Someday we can hope. (laughs) The complete is there. Okay. Brian has another question. I rely on Brian's questions.
1: (laughs) He has good questions.
0: (laughs) Do you prefer to write with, oh, and this is, yeah, because every writer wants to know if they're weird or different or if things. do you prefer to write with pen and paper or computer does this
1: preference change with what you are writing you know i i always love hearing other writers respond to questions like this too because everyone has their own process and it can be different for everyone i'm definitely a computer writer um when i was a little kid i had a notebook and i would write a lot in my room in my notebook but ever since My teenage years, I've really only written on computers um, because it's just so much more efficient and it's easier to edit. But I keep feeling like I should try writing some stuff longhand because they say that, um, I guess, cognitively, it kind of works in a different way when you're putting pen to paper and it's tactile as opposed to when you're typing on a computer. And it also, I think, slows the physical writing down a little bit, which maybe allows you to process the thoughts in a different way. I don't know exactly how it works, but people say there are benefits to writing longhand, and so I keep telling myself like, yeah, I should do that, and then I never actually do it, because <laughs> it's well, just I'm easier to write on my computer. You're less
0: apt to use more words than you need when you're writing right. it by hand, because it's not as quick and easy as you. It's yeah, not that like that's yeah. quick and easy all the time. You know what I'm saying, Sarah.
1: I'm not- yeah, you have to maybe think about it a little bit more before you choose your words. Yeah, like, do
0: I want to go through that work to use the right. words? <laughs>
1: Hands. Let me make this count.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, tire, my my hands are tired tired um yeah. tired. I'm I'm reading an article and
1: talking at the same time. So <laughs> it's not working. Yeah, I, I do think for me though, I'm I'm a writer who I write a lot of words that I'm writing. Like I come up with a lot of ideas. I brainstorm a lot. If I'm writing a poem, I'll write down like a bunch of different alternative. Um, possible words to put in somewhere and just throw them all out there. So that's easier to do when you're on a computer, and it's you can just type as much as you want and then go back and change it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe writing longhand would make me be more disciplined about it and think differently.
0: It, you have that's the point. It's how all authors do things differently, right? Yeah. And their yeah. processes. So exactly. it may be that it's just a silly idea for you. <laughs> But then it could just open up a whole new world. Yeah. Um, but would I like that whole new writer? <laughs> I don't know. Don't <laughs> take too many chances on my account. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> um, keep that in mind.
0: Jan, and, I, and I agree because I read this article. Jan Richardson says, Your article on imposter syndrome on your site resonates with all of us. Oh, thank you, Jan.
1: So. Um, yeah, I so I have a, a blog on my site and I. I, that's another one of those things where I'm like, oh, I should be doing this more frequently. I update it when I get around to it. <laughs> um, but I, I put up a blog post a little while ago about imposter syndrome because I, I feel like I've heard so many writers talk about imposter syndrome or, or feeling things that are, I think, a version of imposter syndrome. And in that article on my, my blog, I was kind of thinking about, well, why... People in all different fields can feel imposter syndrome, but it feels like a lot of writers experience it. And why are we particularly prone to that? And so I was kind of looking at some things like the subjectivity of writing, and it's really hard to know if anything you're doing is working or if it's good, or what does that even mean with a piece of writing? Um, sometimes the the result doesn't feel proportionate to the effort you put in. Like it's You can write and write and write, and it can be difficult to actually sell anything or reach readers or get reviews or make any money at it. And it's just such a competitive field too. There are so many people writing and producing wonderful work. And if you're on social media in- kind of a writing space at all. You're constantly seeing people saying, oh, I just published my book. I just won this award. Look at this great review I yeah, got. you don't need to listen to those people anymore. Yeah. So it can make you feel like, well, what, what the heck am I doing with my life? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it's a real issue for writers for sure. Oh,
0: we need to have real
1: coffee. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <not gonna> <laughs> the chat.
0: <laughs> yes. Um act of pure faith like when you're sitting there doing that and 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 you don't have you don't have anyone saying good job Mm -hmm. you do now just just call me up Uh, but jen is completely correct i i was gonna bring that up when you said you make me feel like the writer i want to (laughs) be it's like um didn't you just write this
1: article it's
0: easier to say stuff
1: and to actually follow it right easier to give advice
0: (laughs) you have to reread your own just like you have to teach those courses you have to reread and then you and then you have it all straight
1: there you know i actually i have an article that i put up on my blog maybe a year or two ago about i think it was called something like eight things to remember when you're struggling to write and i actually do sometimes go back and look at that and and remind myself those things because it was tips about like I don't even remember, but something about like, remember that no one's looking over your shoulder when you write. Like if you want to change it, you can change it. If you want to throw it out, you can throw it out. Um, those sorts of things. And even though I wrote that article and I believe all of those things, I still have to actively remind myself of that when I'm writing. Cause it's so easy to get into a headspace where you're, you know, just thinking too much before you actually just do the work and just put it on the page.
0: That's a complication, right? You have to think, to write, but mm-hmm. if you think too much, you're going to just be sitting there looking at the blank page. Yeah. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes it takes a little bit.
1: And just to show you, there is a thank you. Oh, well, thank for, you. For,
0: for
1: coming here today. And I'm trying to remember, uh, there, there's Merci and I, it's been, I took French years ago. I don't even remember how to say you're welcome in French, <laughs>
0: but <laughs> I know that much. <laughs>
1: So I can
0: share that much yeah. okay so we don't want to miss anything and last November right you started working with the Charlotte
1: the yeah. Charlotte podcast and yeah I started working with them I think um, the episode started airing last summer sometime
0: and, and 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 I think it's great and I think it would be great fun just after this conversation I'm thinking no maybe. <laughs> You don't need to be with the top people. <laughs> i thinking, no, I should be like them. No, I should be yeah. like over there. Um, no, 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 I'm just... I'm just, I'm just, I'm just there. But, um, so, yes, you're really enjoying it, and you're meeting a lot of
1: yeah, it's, um, it's been wonderful. It's a an author podcast, so we interview different writers and talk to them about their books. Uh, sometimes we have them do blog posts about writing craft topics, and we talk about those. So it's been a great way to meet writers, to read books that I wouldn't normally read on my own, um, which I think is good to expand your boundaries. We're also, we're putting together right now a series of quote books, of quotes that have been pulled from different interviews we've done. So I'm kind of helping to edit those and just looking over like the the wisdom of the writers on the podcast and talking about their writing experiences. And it's funny because writers do so often return to the same topics like What's your process when you write? You know, are you on a computer? Are you longhand? What time of day? Um, or talking about things like imposter syndrome and rejection and how do you persevere through the kind of more personal, emotional struggles of writing. Um, and everyone has like slightly different perspectives on those things. So yeah, it's it's been a real joy for me. I always love meeting writers and talking to other writers. I feel like most of my friends are writers in one capacity or another. And yeah, it's just... It's a it's a great way to bond with someone because I think it's a unique experience that you don't totally get unless you're in it.
0: Well, because it is a very solo like experience, so you don't yeah. have a water cooler to go talk to Joe about, you know, how you're getting down with that
1: with that, that real spreadsheet estate or whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it takes something like this to to be able to.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I think, you know, writing, like you were saying, is a very solitary practice by its nature. Um, And so you have to kind of push yourself to get out of that if you want to not be a total hermit (laughs) Um, and, and meet other people and talk to other writers. And for me, even though I do think that sometimes I struggle to balance the timing of it all with my actual writing, but it's also one of my favorite parts about writing is being able to meet other writers and, read their work and go to their events and be involved in writing critique groups where we share work with each other and give each other notes and interviewing authors on the podcast. Like it's, I love being part of that community. It's such a wonderful, it's a huge community. It's very supportive. There's something for everyone. So yeah, I, I always encourage writers to go out there and meet each other. We're not that scary.
0: <laughs> and the internet has been such a hope. Yeah. I think yeah.
1: I mean, every social media platform pretty much has a very active writing community on it. Instagram in particular, I found is a great way to meet and connect with other writers and readers. Um, I have writers groups that I I found through the internet. I have one writers group that I joined in New York when I was living there a few years ago and then they went to a, a Zoom platform over the pandemic and I was able to come back and join them again and now I can do their meetings remotely. So, yeah, it's, it's a great way to be involved with people from all over. Spit your
0: face. No, I hear you. I'm just, remember we talked about learning how to do. Brian's back and he says, writing isn't always solitary. My characters love to chat to me at all hours of the day. And sometimes they have parties, but never invite me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. It's kind of rude. You created them um, and they don't invite yeah. you. <laughs> they
0: right? They, they, they wake you up.
1: <laughs> right. No, that's, that's very true.
0: <laughs> All the voices what, in my head keep me company. Yeah. Like aren't those characters in those books in your closet sometimes knocking at the closet door? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think that writers and probably a lot of people feel this way too, but um, as much as it's great to get out and meet other people and be social, like, I'm never bored if I'm alone. (laughs) I've always got enough stuff going on upstairs that I can just talk to those characters for sure.
0: (laughs) I think that the, well, the other day I was, I was looking at some audio equipment and I was like, okay, I'm this old and now I can't sleep because I'm obsessed by audio equipment for the first time in my life. (laughs) It's never boring in my head. And and I don't think it's boring in any any writer's heads because there's always that backtrack of the other world (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> and look at that child. Like, that would be a perfect character in. You
1: know. Yeah, too, a- I have like a, it's probably like a hundred pages, single spaced, just a running word document that I've kept for years of ideas. And some of them are more fully fleshed out. Some of them might just be like a line or a, an idea for a character. But yeah, like inspiration is never the problem. I think <laughs> harnessing it and turning it into something can be tough, but there's some many ideas yeah. out there it's not it's not the oh
0: where do the ideas come for for books they seem Mm -hmm. to be everywhere it's like actually getting them on
1: paper and complete.
0: yeah that's that to bring it is around is part of your passion for short story yeah
1: yeah i think that that's one of the nice things about short stories is you can explore so many different uh characters and just explore more worlds and i don't know i've been feeling like just personally it's kind of hard to to be a person or be in a person's head for more than like five to ten thousand words at a time. <laughs> like a novel <laughs> feels like, oh, I have to be one person for a year or two, and that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be different people. Different way,
0: so. <laughs> so, not only I was gonna call this, no, what, what's it called? Sarah Archer discovering herself, exactly. but now I have to add and separating herself from the imaginary people. <laughs> <laughs> No, you do get wrapped up in it and you get cranky, and, you know, yeah. and your husband's like, hi, honey, how are you you your like, Go away. <laughs> He's
1: <laughs> used to it. He's been there.
0: <laughs> so, well, I think, thank you. Was there anything we missed, Sarah? Is there anything you want to say?
1: Um, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to our listeners for commenting. And this was a lot of fun. I, I feel like you you get it. You get kind of the writing experience and the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. So it's always fun to talk to you about what I'm working on. And, um.
0: Well, you need to come back so we can talk about Ray Bradbury, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are other conversations that other people don't always want to get into. But I fell in love with him to a degree this summer more than I was in love with him
1: before mm-hmm. and
0: and so you know i got to chat about
1: have oh, you read uh, dandelion uh, wine i think that's my favorite that
0: i haven't i haven't i was reading the Zen of writing just because you know i was reading that and then that amazingly enough i didn't have to read it in school so mm-hmm. i had never read fahrenheit four five yeah. and i was in one of those i don't know if you get them but like there's a book out there i need to read that explains everything that is happening to the world
1: Mm-hmm.
0: now, and i was just going through books i wasn't actually throwing the books but, <laughs> so after i was reading that i'm like well you know i i know i like the halloween tree i knew i liked something like something wicked this way comes perhaps i should give this a try and yeah. it was the book sarah it was the book I was
1: looking for. <laughs> it's a little too real these days maybe <laughs>
0: That's does it like he wrote that back then and i look you know and the the, here we are on the internet so come here gods don't get me but uh, (laughs) you've done that before but like how how close could he get
1: yeah yeah it's scary to yeah even something that was written decades ago the themes definitely hold true yes yes no it just
0: you know about the empathy, about the lack of connection. Um I'm going to go over time. So we need to come back and talk about <laughs> that. i be know, I know.
1: I'm always that. ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, so thank you, Sarah. Okay? And we will we will talk to you later, all right?
1: Bye. Thank Take you. Take care.
0: Okay. That was a lovely conversation with Sarah. I'm just going to let you know who we have visiting us next week. We have Barbara Van Catterman. She is the author of the Jamie Quinn Cozy Mystery Series. And I got, I was all caught up, but then she wrote another book. I wasn't aware of it. (laughs) So this week I'll be reading the last in that series. Well, the last one so far, I don't think I don't know if it's the last in the series. She is also the co-author of Accidental Activist, which she wrote with her son, Josh. It's an amazing true story of finding justice in the world. And Josh was the actual accidental activist in, in the book. As well as she is also a short story writer and loves to do that. And a lot of flash fiction, which is the art of writing a whole story in approximately a hundred words, and that's definitely something I want to look into. So thank you for listening, everyone, and until we're talking next week, and we're visiting with Barbara, may your coffee be hot, and your stories sweet, and goodbye.